This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by touringplans.com. Head over to touringplans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the crowd calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the touring plans to save time and money waiting in line. Touringplans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. Again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project podcast. This is the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Pixar, Disney Tunes, anything and everything that falls under the Disney Pictures release schedule. Uh, we talk about it here on this program and over at DisneyFilmProject.com. I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, host of the program, and along with the folks you were about to meet, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, where you can find Blu-ray, DVD reviews. Reviews, views of old shorts and films from the 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Uh, you can find show notes for this very show and all kinds of other great stuff, so make sure you check out the stuff there at DisneyFilmProject.com. Joining me, as always, we have our fine film experts. First, we have Mr. Todd Pearl, um, who you may know as the, uh, not the million-dollar arm, but about the, you know, 10 50 on a good day arm. I have a $5 million toe. It. Very good. Are you a kicker of some sort that we don't know about? No. <laughs> just yeah, just cost five million dollars. So it's not my side... toe. It's not my toe. It just sits in a box. Fair enough. All right. Uh, I'm going to ask less and less about that. Uh, also, of course, our fine film expert, Miss Rachel Cole. She could not be with us tonight, uh, but we are going to uh, Todd and I hop in into the time machine and get her take on a million dollar arm and you'll be hearing that uh coming up oh. of course our producer uh the one and only miss cheryl perlmutter who you can find on twitter at cheryl p3 or at about.me slash cheryl p3 how are you cheryl i'm doing good glad to hear it glad to hear it uh and since rachel could not join us this evening uh we chose one of our friends as we do from time to time to join us and talk about the film uh you may know her as a from WW Fan Zone or uh, on Twitter at Mojo Disney, or you just may know her as, as somebody pretty cool um, who I believe does enjoy some John Hamm. Am I correct, Mary Jo Collins? <laughs> uh, yes, I, you could call me a John Hamm aficionado. A ham fan? A ham fan. <laughs> I love me some ham. Well, I believe you are getting vintage ham in uh, Million Dollar Arm, which is the film we're going to talk about. Uh, earlier this year in the middle of May, uh, so it's been out for a few weeks now. Uh, not a huge performer at the box office so far. At the time recording this, I think it's taken about $23 million, um, at the box office. Uh, now, it wasn't an expensive film to make. It only cost $25 million, but uh, probably not what Disney was looking for uh, when, they, when they decided to put this out. Can, can I say once again, by the way, that, that Disney and their release schedules are baffling to me? <laughs> you know, they picked this weekend before the other movies picked this weekend. I mean, it it didn't work out for them, but to be fair, they were the first one on the weekend. They should have moved the weekend. Yeah, but fair fair enough. But a twenty five million dollar picture coming out, you know, two weeks after Spider Man, or, or uh, 
they picked Maleficent, another you know $150 million special effects movie that comes out two weeks after this. Yeah, it's just baffling to me. Like when the last big baseball movie was Moneyball, um, the Brad Pitt movie that came out in September, closer to the uh, the baseball playoffs. That seems like it would make a lot more sense for this. But or spring know, training. What do I know? That's, yeah, March or something. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It was. It came in fourth place opening weekend, which is just not good these days. So no, yeah. no not at all. I read an article, something about how Godzilla basically ate million dollar arm. So it, it's true, and, and he yeah. liked it. Yeah, it was tasty. <laughs> he had some ham for dinner. He did. He did. Having seen them both, I think I would have preferred million dollar arm a second time. But that's a whole other story for a whole other show. Uh, all right, so this is based on a true story, and it's it's. I guess you would say the. Premise is based on a story. Um, if you have read anything about um, the true million dollar arm contest, um, the the stories, uh, it's basically like they took pieces of things that happened to real people and shifted them around to make a better story and make a better movie out of it. Yes. So pretty, pretty much everything that happens in the movie happened in real, but it didn't happen in that same order or that same time frame or those sorts of things. Yes, because, for, for example, something I learned when I went to the actual Million Dollar Arm website the, for, the, for the contest was that uh, it's not JB and Ash that were partners. It's Will Chang Correct. and Ash that were partners. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the first thing. So, yeah, I uh, actually, after seeing the movie, I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually, and uh, bought the, the ebook that JB Bernstein wrote. Uh, um, it's, it's short. I recommend it highly. I think it was like nine, seven or eight dollars on Amazon, uh, um, and it's only like two hundred and fifteen pages or something. But just telling of what he went through and what he did and how this all worked out. Um, so it's it's a nice quick read if you if you want to read it. But yeah, Ash and Chang, Ash played by Asif Manvi in the movie, uh, and Chang were, were business partners, and they came to him um, and his, his agency in the film. It's it's one you know we're down on our luck stories as you probably if you've seen the trailers and we need this last thing to to save us um, that was not the case at all um, when he mentions in the film that you know he he had worked with Barry Sanders and Barry Bonds and those and Wayne Gretzky and those guys um, he was still working with those guys at the time that the original Million Dollar Arm contest took place so yeah. Bernstein was not ex- exactly cash when when all this went down. Yeah, because because the important thing is that the whole idea of in the re- in real life comes from Chang, who has this uh, very um, I don't know evocational uh, way of looking at sports, right? I, I guess that's a good way to put it. He because his view is that it, for you know for every you know you know X number of people there is there are people who are just natural talents, and that's and he wanted to find natural raw talents. And train them to be superstars, not um, not have people who are just become you know have people who train themselves. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not not find the people who are already developed, but find the people who had the raw talent and, and craft them in the way you want them. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, the, the the basic idea here, kind of talked about, it, is the the million dollar art. The title of the film comes from my real life. Um, reality that aired in India 
that was put together by J.B. Bernstein, who is a sports agent, uh, and his business partners, Chang. And in the movie, Ash is his partner in the agency in real life. Like we said, Ash was Chang's partner. Uh, and the idea was we would go to India, and they would find cricket players who could throw baseball and turn them into pitchers. And so they would have this whole con. You could hit, uh, they go all around India testing all the players, and then they would have the final contest, um, and whoever could hit the strike zone with a certain velocity, I believe it was 90 miles an hour, um, three times would win a million dollars. And the likelihood of that happening was next to none. But um, in this first contest, um, the the first, uh, the person, uh, Patel, uh, who did it, uh, who didn't, uh, Dinesh Patel didn't actually hit three times. I think he hit it twice and quite win but he won like ten thousand dollars in real life and that that kind of money in india is life-changing yeah he hit 89 miles per hour in real life right and i think he missed the strike zone one time or something like that but yeah i can't remember for sure uh but that's what so that's what the, the movie is based on is is the story of that um contest which brought um these two indian guys uh rinku singh and dinesh Patel over to the States, uh, who they ended up getting signed by the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, and and going on to to minor league professional careers. Uh, I should probably say neither has has ever been in in the major leagues yet. Um, Rinku is still uh, you could say he's still pitching. He um, he had Tommy John surgery. If you're familiar with baseball, um, I know Mojo. You know that from what we have. As a fellow Atlanta Braves fan, we have like three guys out with Tommy John right now. Right, right. It's very, very <laughs> common in pitchers. Yeah. So it, they, uh, it's it, it costs them a whole season, but generally speaking, they come back, uh, come back better. Uh, but so he's he had that his entire 2014 season um, has been with the Pirates from 2009 to 2014. It has not yet made the major leagues. Um, yeah, Dinesh he, made it for one he, season. He, he was. The tail's asked. already been released, right? Yeah, Dinesh has already been yeah, released. He, yeah, he's been released. Rinku, he, um, what was it? He was actually asked to come to spring training this year, but because of the surgery, he didn't, he did not go. That's that's right. Happened. Yeah, right. So, so he had, if, presuming he comes back next year, he could be spring training next year. So, and right, which which doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be in the majors, but he has a shot. Yeah, true, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but he's. He's been playing in other leagues all over the world, you know, Dominican, Australian. Yep. You know, he was yeah. he's uh, he's an all-star in the Australian league, so. Yep, the Pirates have been definitely been grooming him uh and trying to get him, you know, up to snuff and up to yeah. the big leagues. Yeah. D- Dinesh on the other hand, he um he was let go. Right. Okay. And uh, he lives in India. But, um, but he's he, been working he, so this sh- show like the million dollar arm show and he's been working on that since then yeah uh so he right well he wasn't working on it specifically but he was training kids to perform right. on that that's that's right yeah he wasn't specifically working on it now what he does have an open-ended offer i found out to uh when they open the mlb academy in india that they're supposed to be opening he is going to be working there as a trainer there presuming go. that goes through opening so he will be working for the mlb just not as a player that's nice yeah yeah pretty much so yeah, so uh, this all took place with um, with Bernstein and the guys took place back in like like we said back in the eight two thousand nine era. Um, it, it was a long stretch because the, the actual contest itself took place, and then there was almost a whole year 
And then the guys were in Southern California working with Tom House, uh, who's played by Bill Paxton in the movie, and spent all that time to get to tryouts uh, uh, where they have been signed by the Pirates. Uh, uh, so the movie casts John Hamm as we are, as Bernst, uh, and then uh, two two Indian actors as Rinku and Dinesh. Um, we have Lake Bell, who I'm not familiar with, as Brenda in the film, uh, and Alan Arkin playing a sort of a cameo role as a as Ray, uh, a scout who helps out with the contest. Who, in my mind, steals the movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, one thing I thought was very interesting about the uh, acting actors on the, in the movie is that they're all uh, either double or triple th- threats in the entertainment industry in terms of film because they're all not just actors, but a lot of them are, are directors and or writers as well. That's true. So it, it's a very uh, heavy-loaded uh, film in that respect. According to Rachel, um, the, the actress that plays Brenda... Um what is very po- is very popular um in Rachel's us waiting waiting for her to go through you know go through her you know times and get the right role and she thinks it's she thinks that this woman's gonna be a breakout star as you'll hear later <laughs> uh, yeah the two the two actors are um they've been in uh popular movies of late because uh Suraj Sharma I'm hoping I pronounced that right who plays Rinku. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was Pi Patel in Life of Pi. Yes, that's right. Okay, yep. And uh, Madhur Mittal, who plays Dinesh, he had a part in Slumdog Millionaire. Right? Which I thought was ironic because if you kind of think about it, this is Slumdog Baseball Players. <laughs> it is. I've heard that analogy. That's true. And um, since we're also talking about people who played all the things, we also have the guy who played Chen, C. Sima has also been in um, a couple of Jackie Chan movies, and he has also been on Agents of Shield, as well as Bill Paxton's been on Agents of Shield. Of course, and is evil pure evil. Sorry, I, it's funny now. I'm never going to be able to watch Bill Paxton act in anything and not think that. Yes, very true. <laughs> yeah. So in the movie. Uh, begins with uh we'll just we'll just kind of dive into it a little bit the movie begins with bernstein trying to woo a big client and i quite honestly it's been three weeks since i've seen it so i don't remember the guy's name poe or something like that hopo hopo uh it's a big football player and he's trying to woo him over to their agency um he he and awesome and and so he goes make that happen and needless to say fails miserably and so that that is where he kind of has hit rock bottom right off the bat, uh, that he and, and Ash have kind of gone out on their own, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, and he refers to all the guys that he actually in real life was still working with, you know, the Bonds and, uh, and, and uh, Barry Sanders and, and those guys. But in the movie, you know, that day is over, and he was at a big agency, now he's out on his own. And so it's that night he is watching TV, and watches a cricket game that Ash has been telling him how great cricket is, and he's also watching Britain's Got Talent. And he comes up with this crazy idea that if we can get an investor to invest, then we can go find a cricket player and to an all-new market. So like we said, in real life, this was actually Chang's idea, the businessman that he talks to, 
uh, and it was Bernstein who kind of carries it out. Uh, but in, in the movie, it, it's his idea to kind of save his agency, and Chang gives him. So they give him a, a year to get the guy assigned and, and ready. It's that screenwriting trick of putting the ticking clock in the background to kind of make sure everything is uh, leading to a conclusion. Although they really don't talk it up much during the movie until he brings it up again at the end. You know, at, at the I'm not near the end, near the end. Well, the first end, I guess, right? Because it's kind of like got an end right. and then it continues. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. The the parking lot scene, right? Because he has that conversation. Where he said you you did what we said you would do. So done, you know. Right. And I should bring up, by the way, that a, a big chunk of this movie was shot around my house, which I didn't realize when I saw the movie. Oh my uh, gosh, you I, didn't? Did you know that no. I actually <laughs> I actually looked into becoming an extra on this movie because I knew it was being filmed in Atlanta. And unfortunately, they didn't need any like middle-aged white women. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Yeah. No, it's crazy because like the office where they meet Chang is uh-huh. at Turner Field in Atlanta. Um, right. Now that part I did notice watching the movie. You can see Chipper Jones' number through the window. Right. Um, but like the, the parking lot where they actually have their uh, their tryout is probably five miles from my house and and it's the reason they chose it is because in the because the setting is supposed to be arizona and there's a furniture store there that's called arizona leather and you can see it in when they when they shoot the when they're shooting the tryout in fact i had lunch in that same shopping center about two weeks ago kind of crazy funny what yeah uh um, and the, when the guys are training at USC, that's actually Georgia Tech. For literally 500 feet from my office, I could look out from this and look down shooting, but I didn't know what they were shooting until I saw the movie, and I went, oh, that's what it was. Oops. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I, I, sh- I should have asked Mary Jo. I could have been in them. But they probably didn't need, you know, like white guys either. <laughs> <laughs> they they had a few of those in the film already. Yeah, they had that. They had that covered. Yeah, so that's that's the great inspiration though. Is uh, they they meet with Chang. He agrees to put up the money, and off John Hamm goes to India, uh, where nothing works according to plan. Which I thought was both funny and fresh at the same time. Yeah. Uh, well. I don't know if he he must have talked about this in his ebook because I read an interview with him where he talked about it, uh, the real J.B. Bernstein, where he got used to the fact that it, you know it will be done. Don't worry. That that's like the the culture, right? And yes. so they kind of point that out when he gets his assistant. Who I can't remember his assistant's name. The the guy who runs his office for him and sets it all up for the, him out there. Uh, um, Vivek is the guy's name. Okay, the I don't know his real name. Yeah, and uh, he has. They have that conversation, and he said that really gave him a whole new appreciation for business, and that was his probably his biggest personal like way of ha- carrying himself. Taking away from his trip to India was that that business acumen of you know it'll 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 work out. And I believe he said in the movie um, it's a honking and bypassing system, <laughs> which was yes. you know extremely frustrating because he you know basically said. So you buy these people off. And he said, oh, no, no, no. We're just bypassing the system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
the 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 scene where he can't get the 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 t-shirts when he goes to the thing but then the guy comes with the truck and meets him in the middle of the street in the middle of an intersection he parks his truck and they do this (laughs) with thousands of people around yeah well he does tell the story in the ebook of something similar to that where he he took uh, a piece of paper and sketched out what the baseball uniform was supposed to be so like with seams and you because you know how baseball jersey is it's got the buttons down the middle and it's got you know the the piping around this and those sorts of things yeah um and so when the guy the guy i took it and said no worries it will be done and it turned out he brought him t-shirts with those things printed on it instead of an actual jersey and so if you look up on youtube any of the footage of the first million dollar arm contest that's what the guys are wearing they are not wearing actual jerseys they're wearing t-shirts that look like jerseys Oh, that's funny. Nice. And you can see a lot they, of those pictures. You can see a lot of those pictures at the end of the movie if you stay through the credits. Yes, yeah. you can. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's really cool. And, and they, they, they had the same problem. Like, they didn't have baseballs. They couldn't get enough baseballs, so they had to have somebody actually make baseballs. Um, and trying to teach people in India how to make actual baseballs was was, was another nightmare he had. So it was all these little things that you don't think about. You know, when you're in business in the U.S., you can pretty much call somebody and have them deliver anything you want overnight if you have the money for it. Whereas, you know, if in the middle of, uh, you know, out middle of India, that's not the case. Hmm. But it, 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 I, I recommend the ebook highly. It's it's pretty pretty amusing to read, and it's it's a very yeah. quick read, um, especially if you like the movie. Um, you you would it, it's worthwhile to go get the real story. So they go around India into all these little towns and villages, and it's like it's basically like the Beatles are showing up, right? Because they set up their batting cages, and every kid from all over tries to come out. Um, he picks up Ray, the scout, played by Alan Arkin, who basically sleeps through everything. <laughs> well, he's he's listening for the pitches. Which is, um, uh, again, somewhat true to life. He he was not that interested until he, uh, I don't think he was actually sleeping, according to the book. Uh, but he was not that interested uh, until they started seeing some better talent. And similar to the film, you know, it wasn't until very late in the game where they found somebody who could throw over 80 miles an hour. Most major league pitchers are going to throw in the low 90s, so they were just trying to get somebody kind of at 85 that they could train better. Yeah. I mean, now, in the movie, I think you see them go to, like, three locations before they have the final contest, right? That, right. So, uh, in in real life, uh, there were 35,000 competitors that first season. I, I, won't, I won't say athletes, because... I'm, you know, not everybody was athletes, and I, they kind of played it up a little bit, and I'm pretty sure not everybody would have been athletes. But they did it at 12 different locations in real life. So it wasn't just three cities and done. It was, you know, a lot. And they ended up with, I think in the movie, they only have like 20 kids, right? Yes. And, yes. In, real, and in real life, it was 28 that first season. Just Now, what I thought was interesting, because it did so well and because they became so popular when they went back to have another season of the Million Dollar Arm, uh, they had 100,000 people try out. So it definitely made a difference. Well, it seemed like um, the word got out, though, the first year even. Um, And I thought it was 
pretty ironic that the goal was to find all these cricket players. And in fact, the two that won didn't play cricket. So that was pretty funny to me. Yes. In real life, they were both javelin throwers. I mean, they only right. show one of them being a javelin thrower, I think. The other one just wasn't, they never were really clear as to how he got his athleticism. But they were both in that athletic academy, right? Yes. Well, one had one said he dropped out, but so we weren't sure what he was. Oh, in there right, doing because again. his father had right. made him drop out. But um, I think what I had read in real life was that they were both training for the Olympics uh, to be javelin throwers for mm-hmm. India. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, that's that's basically it. That's right. Yeah, because we should explain they they found both of the guys in real life at this academy in India where they pick the people who have the most talent and train them just like uh, Mary Jo said to to enter the Olympics cool I heard uh, the the actors who were better pitchers than they were expecting so they actually had to train them to throw bad pitches right so yeah, it's not easy when you've been watching a lot of baseball, like I think these guys ended up doing when they got the role, to actually throw poorly. Um, and especially the kind of stop-start delivery that they, they had Rinku doing. Yeah, the whole Flamingo thing, that was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, like, just amazing that he could do that. He, he, he apparently <laughs> that was it was. It was. It, there's actually, if you go to the uh, the main website, there's black and white pictures of him that I saw doing doing that in real life. So. Yeah, and it was. It's true. He, he didn't know anything else because that's what he would do. Um, it was a pure javelin throw. Would, would stop and then throw all his weight forward. So he just didn't know how to do it a, a different way. Uh, but it worked for him. Um, so just like in just like in real life, um, it's. Uh, Rinku wins, and uh, Dinesh is comes in second. And so, um, in in real life, there's actually a third contestant. They they were going to take to the United States, but they could not get his visa. Uh, and I don't, I don't have the guy's name, uh, but they ended up taking those two guys as well as in the film. Uh, it's a, a guy named Amit who is a huge baseball fan in the middle of India who comes up to. J.B. Bernstein and, and offers his services to, to help as a translator or anything that he could do. Um, and this this is true. Um, I can't remember the gentleman's name in real life, but this happened. Uh, this guy approached him in New Delhi and said, you want to be in Major League Baseball and I'll do anything I can do. And he basically cleared the way for them in all the towns. He was, was like the valuable member of the team. And as a result, uh, Bernstein brought him back to the States. And so he's played by a Pitobash Tripathi. Um, he's a huge, huge actor in India. He's one of their most famous comic actors. Yeah, huge in Bollywood. Huge. Yeah. yeah, and I just thought he was he was really great in the movie. Really funny, really, really good through the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, the guy who didn't get the visa was named Manaj Shukula or Shukla. He was the go. second runner up, so. Sorry, there's actually a timeline of the whole thing on the um, website for uh, the official stuff of the real life. Oh, the yeah. million dollar arm contest. Yeah, it's yeah. Website. Yep. Amit, his his character was just 
hilarious to me. I mean, he was just such a little positive little energy and um, always was cracking me up with that camera that he gave him. Yes. To film yeah. everything. <laughs> uh. Yeah, which which actually, that that's true. But that's exactly what they did. Um, and the funny thing was when they started looking at the uh, the footage that he did, they ended up, they had all this footage of the guys like walking and eating. <laughs> and they had to, and actually tell him, uh, you know, hey, we need to, we need the baseball stuff. That, that, that's the stuff that we need, the training, not, not just them walking around and eating. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. You know, it's 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 interesting that we because the the whole roots of the whole reason this movie got made go to the fact that the uh, the two guys who produced the film, the Mant brothers, they, I guess they live in Georgia also, right? Because yes. they, mm-hmm. and um, they found out about the two of them training there, and so they filmed the whole. They traveled the you know they followed them around, you know all over the place and um they made a nine minute movie like short a short about them that became the basis for the movie right so yeah they took cut together a little nine minute presentation uh that that showed the real life story and turned it into you know and the movie the movie's been running around since you know december of 2008 when the guys actually got signed so it's uh, been been in the works for quite some time. But yeah, so uh, the movie continues with, with uh, Jim's character, Davy Bernstein's the guys, and Amit to the U.S. Uh, tries to set them up in a hotel. That does not go well. <laughs> you could see that coming a million miles away, though. Yeah. <laughs> After the elevator scene, especially. Yeah, for sure. And that's something that's something we should say too, because I think the critical reviews of this, a lot of them are that it's predictable, right? To to which I mean, it is, but that's okay sometimes if if you're enjoying the journey. And like for me, I really enjoyed, you know, the the movie as it went along. So I didn't mind the fact that yes, I probably knew what was coming up next, but the characters were interesting enough that it didn't really matter. Right. I. I- you don't find yourself hating anything that really goes on in the movie. It's just um, it. Uh, most of the criticism is that it's just not much of a sports movie because it's very. It's a highly, highly character oriented movie. Right. Yes. The narrative is just so fantastic, but yeah, like the fish out of water uh, stuff is just so predictable. But again, that kind of makes it more of a family movie. I. My son hasn't seen this yet, and I cannot wait till he sees it because I can just I can see him laughing the whole time, um, and just kind of learning as the Indian players are learning, and you know experience America for the first time. It's just I thought it was very heartwarming in ways. No, I totally agree. I mean, I took my kids to see it. We saw the the sneak preview week before it came out on the sixth. 16th and and both kids you know the seven-year-old and the 12 year old uh really really loved it um it is it is really great for family so if you're looking for something that's not going to scare your kids like maleficent looks like it might um this is one i would recommend 
I'm yeah, not it, sure how Maleficent's going to translate. I'm not sure either. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have to have a future discussion on that one. Yeah. Fortunately, we're planning one. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah, so the whole hotel thing does not work out. Uh, they end up having to... Uh, the guys end up having to crash with JB. And so we set up this whole idea of he's this swinging bachelor and now he's got these guys living with him. Uh, so it's it's kind of the contest that was supposed to be a thing where he was going to find these guys and turn them over and you know move on to the next thing. He is now responsible for their day-to-day lives. Uh, and so that is true to life. That's basically what happened. He... He did not live in a small house, though. He lived in a giant complex. Um, so part of the story that we are missing is the um, Brenda story, the house guest story, as yes. I'll call it. <laughs> and so through through the um, start through the beginning, a bit, they they introduced the house guest. And the guy even suggests, you know, he think about dating her. And he's like, right. oh, no, she's just my border. I'm just, you know, you know, that type of thing. And then, and then, like, through the whole thing, when he's in India, they have these Skype conversations. Um, you know, he shows her the, the area. He brings her back to little Taj Mahal. <laughs> that's, that, that's a very good point. I mean, he's very removed because even when Ray shows up, Ray isn't much of a buddy pal to him when he's in India, so she's his lifeline. And she also becomes a lifeline for the boys too. What back when, when they're when right he checks back out. in the second half of the movie, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, she she is uh from the beginning of the film kind of the the heart I would say of the of the movie because she's the one who sees the potential in what he he's doing and sees it as more than just a, a business thing. Uh, and she talks to him and, and kind of mentors him through, through India. She brings, brings him back a Taj Mahal, like you said, I should say. She's quirky, like a a young Sandra Bullock in terms of, I can see that. Yeah. 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 Um, so not again, not to ruin the story, but in real life, this, none of this happened until, after the million dollar arm contest. Um, he did not actually meet Brenda and fight with her until well after the guys had already been signed. Um, so not, not to ruin the moment, but, uh, but we will get to a point later, <laughs> <laughs> later on that. Yeah. yeah no. There is a point later on in the film where all of them are together that actually did happen. And that was kind of, what really sold the film for for both of them but yeah through the the training like i said bill paxton plays tom house who uh, at the time was a coach at usc he's a very famous pitching coach throughout major league baseball uh, and he tutored the guys for, for many many months on how to pitch and how to get better how to because pitching isn't just pitching right they've got to cover first base they've got to play defense those sorts of things and these are things these guys did not know how to do so that's what he had to teach them, basically from the ground up, is how to play baseball, what the rules were, and all those sorts of things. So we get a lot of that um, in sort of the second act of the movie. 
I don't know if anyone else felt this way, but one of the things that I loved most about the movie was the soundtrack. I think it's just absolutely fantastic. Um, it it's done by a guy, A.R. Rahman, and uh, he uh, is famous most most famous for the soundtrack for Slumdog Millionaire. Okay, which is a mostly Bollywood soundtrack. And right. what I like about this is it does that whole thing where the songs. Well, one he did. He also did the songs from India that are in planes. You know those two pieces that they do when they're like when they're flying around in planes and stuff like that he also does tons of other bollywood soundtracks but what i really liked about this soundtrack is the music is different depending on which of the three major areas they're in right because they they go from india to la and then to atlanta for a little bit right and the music is very different culturally in each of those locations if you pay attention to it, and I love the transitions that it carries as the result. Actually, Todd, that was Arizona, not Atlanta. You're saying Atlanta because it was filmed in Atlanta. Oh well, it's yeah. Sorry, yeah. Well, sorry. You're <laughs> well, the right. The very last scene is USC. <laughs> That's right. In real life, yeah, yeah, the real life one, yeah. No, it's something that I didn't notice, but now that you're saying it, like I, I, I'm hearing what you're saying and going, oh yeah, that's true. Um, I think that's true of a big part of this movie. Like, I think it's something that all the parts work well. Like, um, I read an article about somebody saying how, like, oh, well, John Hamm's not a breakout movie star. And I would beg to differ. Like, based on his performance, I thought his performance was amazing in the movie. I thought he did great. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's gotten so many nominations for stuff just for his role on Mad Men that you can't really say he's a bad actor. He's, a, he's actually a really good actor, and he does a really good job in this movie. It's just, it's just the movie's getting a lot of negative press, and that happens. It just does. Especially when yeah. you... Especially, I think the biggest problem with it, just as an aside, because really, we kind of sort of touched this, we really didn't say it, is it was very much pitched as a sports movie, and it's very much not a sports movie. It just has sports yeah. as a background element in the movie. And I think that you have – when you say a movie is a sports movie, and it's going to attract a lot of people who are sports fans who are looking for a sports movie, and that's not this movie. Well, and I think also that it's a movie about relationships and the transformation of the characters. And honestly, I think they may have – it may have done better if it would have been portrayed as such. Uh, the marketing, like you said, I think – came across that it was all about baseball, but I think it's a lot more than that. And it was yeah. about the transformation, especially of John Hamm's character and physically of the two boys and um, emotionally with them and how they, you know, were brought to America and transformed into Americans, which, you know, you don't see that, but um, the emotional struggles with that and, um, uh, Especially with John Hamm's character, the transformation of how he, you know, started off as kind of a shallow personality, all about himself, to eventually um, thinking more of these two guys as family and um, treating them as such. Yeah. Like um, a really good scene, and it's funny because she gets mad at him, but he. The when he the kid cuts his hand now it's just before he's got to do the tryouts, but he's he's also a little you know he's just at his turning point of becoming concerned because for a moment he's like is he okay, and then he worries about the turn tryout so that's like him peaking that moment, right? 
Yeah, no, that's the great thing I think about this this middle part of the movie is that, that there's a whole dichotomy between what Ham's playing of he he does care about the guys, um, but he also wants to get his business back on track. So he's chasing Popo. He's you know making sure the guys are doing well enough, um, and he does invest a little bit more. Like he starts coming to their practice. Um, he starts things with them he's still got this other part of him that's out chasing you know the other guy so he's playing this like i think the thing with john ham is you want to like him he's such a likable guy it's hard not to like him in this but he manages to pull off that smarmy agent part really well i think through the second act of the film and and kind of comes across exactly in that scene that you're talking about where it comes to a head, like the guy cuts his hand and it's like, oh, well, are you okay? But mainly, can you pitch? Yeah. It's just, it's a weird thing. Um, but, you know, I think he really enjoyed doing this movie because it shines through in his acting here. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I and mean, I, he, I, if you know anything about John Hamm, you know that he is a massive baseball fan. I mean, he has followed the St. Louis Cardinals since you know his childhood so uh, this was I think right up his alley and people I think were surprised that he took this role but uh, if you know about him it's not surprising actually you can't play I Don think, Draper forever <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I did read though that when they first approached him he didn't actually know or believe whether the story was true so he you know, immediately went out researching, trying to find, you know, information about these two guys. And I guess that's kind of surprising that he hadn't heard of them since he is such a huge baseball fan. And um, he actually was in, uh, Ryan, I don't know if you know this or remember, but he was in the all-star game of the um, the celebrity all-star game uh, two years ago when it was out yep. in um, Kansas City. So, um, yeah, when he found out that those the the true stories about these two guys he was like all in yeah he um in, in again in the book like uh bernstein says he spent all kinds of time with john ham just you know asking questions like what were you thinking in this moment and and all that kind of stuff i mean he really put the work in um for the film and, and it shows i think um throughout the whole thing um so yeah i mean i think the moments that come through in the second is um, like we said that he's chasing Popo the, the football player um, takes the guys to a party at his house where they end up eating way too much food and drinking um, for the first time in their lives uh, and getting very very sick in his car uh, <laughs> which which causes him no end of stress well I mean it was a blue Porsche come on <laughs> fair enough <laughs> I felt bad for them with the drink, not for the food. I mean, the food is the food, but the drinking, I mean, he honestly didn't know that he was necessarily drinking alcohol, right? I think that, you know, because they, they mentioned in the movie, and I just felt bad for him as a result because I can't imagine what it's like not to know and then, right. you know, to, to go through that, so. Well, he's... He mentions it again in the book, like that that was one of the problems they had, and it's a problem they have with any player that comes from overseas is trying to teach how to eat, because in America, like again in India, you can't go to a McDonald's at ten o'clock at night and eat 
cheeseburger. It's probably more so in you know New Delhi, but out in the where these guys were from, you couldn't do that. And they were so amazed at the fact that you could pretty much eat whenever you wanted in the states that they would end up eating junk food. Um, and so, like that was one of his biggest struggles was teaching them how to eat. Um, and they even got to the point where they would make. Uh, he taught them how to make pancakes because he didn't want to get up in the morning. And they would. They ended up actually one day uh, making the entire pan a pancake. So instead of individual pancakes, they made the whole thing. And like that, that ended up being breakfast like twice a week uh, for the time that the guys were were in town. Because he's like, well, it works, and they eat, so uh, they would go with it. That's funny. Uh, but but all through this. He is, uh, to Cheryl's point, falling in love with Brenda. Um, and there's the funny moment from the trailer where um, you know he, he ends up spending the night with her, um, which, which, by the way, I have to say, I thought was very classy in the way they represented it. You know what I mean? Like in that they're kissing, and then the next thing you know, he's walking back across the courtyard house. I thought that was perfect for the way you represent that sort of thing in this kind of film. Kind yeah, because that that definitely the kids would not get the joke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it, it gave you all you needed to know without having to be salacious, which which I liked. I appreciated since I had a seven year old with me in the audience. And if if you needed to, you could just tell your kids they played cards because they didn't show anything else. Yeah, exactly. And the whole conversation um, in the I, car afterwards was just hilarious. Yes. Did you kiss her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she kissed me. <laughs> My favorite, um, I think, quote from the whole movie was when they first got to his house and she walked out and they said to each other, is she his servant? That's <laughs> 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 uh, hilarious. It was. Uh, so, yeah, they have that moment. But then, of course, she gets with him because of the way he's treating the kids, because, you know, he, he's doing this whole vacillating thing, of course, between them and his agency and those sorts of things um, until they finally do get a tryout. Um, they go to spring training in Arizona um, and have the tryout. They can't even get time on a field. Um, they can't, they have to set up a case basically in the middle of a strip mall, again, just down the street from my house, in, but in Arizona in the movie. Um and the guys are just not comfortable. Um, Tom House, the coach, tells them, like, hey, they're not ready. Um, this isn't a good situation for them. Uh, but he pushes them to do it anyway. Uh, and, and knowing that kind of puts a rift between he and Brenda. Because they were building this little family, right, of the two of them and the kids. Uh, and so, as predicted, uh, the tryout does not go well. Uh, one thing to note is that most of the folks, most of these scouts, quote unquote, who are back there are actual um, ESPN analysts or uh, retired players, since they had access to all that talent. Yeah, I guess. You're being, right. being the huge Disney Corporation. Indeed. Uh, so it does not go well. None of the scouts are interested. Um, and they don't know, you know, exactly what they're going to do. Uh, and that's when um, the, the conversation you mentioned earlier with Chang happened shortly thereafter, uh, where he says, hey, you got them to try it. It worked within a year. You know, we can do more seasons of the show. Uh, we can cut these kids loose. And that's the dark moment of the movie where you're like, well, based on the way he's been acting up to this point, 
uh, JB might cut the kids loose, um, but he does not. They couldn't because that would have been a very depressing movie. Yes. <laughs> Bummer, dudes. Uh, yeah. Uh, instead, he you know, he turns his energy towards giving them a second tryout. Um, and, and this is all true. This all happened with the exception of like thing with Chang. Uh, uh, of the ticking time bomb of, of them only having a year to do it. Um, this, was, this is all true. Uh, they, he, they failed miserably in their first tryout, um, and he worked his tail off to get them a second tryout. And so in the movie, that does take place uh, with the Pirates and a few other teams. Uh, and this time, instead of in the middle of a strip mall, uh, it takes place uh, in, in USC's stadium. Um, but before that, they have to heal the family, so uh, the kids are upset about the fact that they let him down. Um, Brenda's upset with him for, you know, being that way with them. Um, and so there's this moment um, that you see in the trailers that's, that's a really great moment where they walk into the backyard, into the courtyard, and the, the guys have set up an Indian feast in the backyard with lights. Uh, they have given Miss Brenda a, a, a native Indian dress to wear and all this sort of thing. So this actually didn't. It just didn't happen in sequence with when it happens in the movie. Uh, in real life, it actually happened after the guys signed their contract. Um, because, as mentioned, Brenda and J.B. Bernstein fell in love after the guys got, got their contracts. Uh, but they did They did set it up as a celebration. She, she did know the guys, had met them before, um, but they didn't actually start dating uh, until after the guys had gotten their contracts. So this whole thing, rather than it being a "we're sorry," it was more of a celebration in real life. Yeah, and by the way, if the time between the two tryouts seems very rushed in the movie, it was rushed in real life because apparently the yes. time from the first tryout to the second tryout to them getting the uh, signing by the pirates all took place in November of two thousand and eight. So, okay. yeah. Well, you only have the teams in Arizona for a, for a certain amount of time. In the movie, it's basically spring training, but I, I think they're looking at the Arizona Fall League in real life. And so they all ends in the early December, I think. So they had to oh, I, strike oh, the I, irons I, hot. I guess I got the impression it was the winter meetings. No? Uh, not in real life. In oh, maybe it might have. You're right. It might have been in the uh, in, in the film. Couldn't remember. Because I, I could have swore I heard them say the winter meetings, you know, the the one that they always all the agents come and negotiate yeah, yeah. with the players and whatnot. So yeah, the second tryout uh, is basically the one that that works right because they're in their special environment. I really loved Amit going out to coach the guys right before the right before the tryout, right before they start pitching. I thought that was a great moment for him in the movie. It's probably the best moment in the movie, and I don't mean that in a bad way, like. As the movie thinks, I mean, it's probably the most meaningful moment in the whole movie. I it thought. is. It was yeah. fantastic. I actually wrote down a part of what he said because I just thought it was so inspirational. Um, he said, I'm seeing my dream in you. Your victory is my victory. And I thought that was just really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because back to the point about the character, because I guess there was a real guy, but we don't know what his real name was, right? Yeah, I don't okay. remember. For uh, he, um, w- what he was was he was a small kid who had who loved baseball, but there was no baseball in India, so he couldn't have aspirations to be a player. 
and he got a little bit older. He was older than the other kid than the two of them. So it's it's and very smaller. meaningful and smaller, much and smaller. smaller. So yeah, yeah and it, so he wanted to be a coach basically. Yeah, yeah. And so he got his. You know, this was his. He, like you said, it's 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 why it's meaningful because he put so much into them, and this and this is them giving back to him. That's and it's it's a beautiful moment. So sorry, I'm like. It's teary in the movie, so it's teary like not talking about it. It is, yeah. No, it's 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 a really great moment. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like you know what you're getting going into these kinds of films. Um, it, it, this isn't a sports movie, like you guys have been saying, in the traditional sense of that there's sports in it, but it is in the it pacing and the pattern of the film of the bringing the underdogs together and overcoming the obstacles, sort of a thing. It's much like Miracle and some of the other films that. We- we've talked about in that way uh, because it does go well they do get their contract uh, and you know it, it's it's a disney film everything ends happily ever after yeah 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 i and um, then like like mary joe said you get the uh, the pictures at the end yeah some some of which are from the pictures during the real events and then there's a, a lot of pictures in there i guess the pe- the real life people and the actors got together for a game and went to a ball game together. Yep. And that's where a lot of the pictures during the end credits come from too. So when the real life folks were on set, uh, um, majority of the, uh, of the filming, uh, they, they weren't there to, in India, but the majority of the filming in the U S uh, Bernstein and the guys were, were there as much as they could be. Yeah. Oh yeah, Bernstein was highly involved. I mean, I'm going to say he was there the entire time. Um, I kind of followed him on Twitter during the time, and he was posting pictures throughout. He was incredibly engaged in the production. He, he he's a smaller guy than him is, but one of the one of my favorite things is that picture of them walking side by side uh-huh. because you can tell John Hamm had his hair styled exactly like J.B. Bernstein. Yes. <laughs> And it's it's a really neat little picture. Um, you know, the the India stuff, the story about them filming it is interesting because they had to do a rush job for the India for what took place in Mumbai that they filmed because they had to do it between the end of the season of Mad Men and monsoon season, which was a very, very tight window. You know, like, a, like right, we're talking right. like a couple weeks to just go to all those locations and then bug out. So interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, there's one other follow-up thing. Uh, so, at the official premiere for the movie, there was an actual million-dollar giveaway offer, right, where people right. in the United States could come up to the premiere and they could try and pitch. Now they knew that they would not get people who didn't necessarily know how to play, so they upped it from 90 miles an hour to 100 miles per hour. Which nobody nobody won the million dollars. Nobody made the hundred mile per hour thing. But J.B. Bernstein did sign a guy named Josh Dahl to the from the Arizona State Sun Devils, and his pitch was at ninety four point nine miles per hour. And they had regional tryouts, just like you know in the movie where they went around and did regional yes you know uh, events. Yeah. Um, so like I believe they had one at Walt Disney World, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, they did. Yes, they did. So. That the ones at the premiere were like the finalists. Yeah, there were, and there were only yes. nine finalists. They didn't do the twenty different twenty-eight guys. There were just nine guys pitched, and 
Well, I'm sorry, 10 guys pitched because apparently John Hamm threw out the first pitch. Oh, I didn't see that. I watched it live, though. It was awesome. They had it on one of the MLB networks. No, or uh, was it ESPN? One of the. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was on ESPN. Yeah. ESPN two or three or something, yeah. but um, yeah, that was pretty cool. I think they also, you know, had the caveat that you could have never played professional before. Hmm. Interesting. Which is only fair. I mean, you know. Two more facts I just want to throw out there. One, the writer Tom McCarthy was the only writer from for the script start to finish, which is very rare in today's movies. Yeah, exceedingly rare. <laughs> so I thought that was worth mentioning and more power to him for getting that whole the whole gig end to end and getting the only writer credit. Uh, the other thing was the whole thing with Alan Horn. Now to show you that this movie is probably underrated and getting a short shrift in the theater is that Alan Horn said this movie tested better than any movie he ever had under him. Uh, that's and that he, considering that he ran Warner Brothers and now runs Disney Studios, <laughs> in terms yeah. of being chair, chairmanship, right? Uh, that's that's a huge thing to say. So that would include all of the Harry Potter films because he was in charge of Warner Brothers when 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 those films were out. Yeah, and he specifically called that out when he when he made that that um, this was a film that he he kind of championed once he got over to Disney. Um, so this is probably. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking back of the films that have been released lately. I think this is probably the first one since Horn took over the studio that uh, is kind of, you know, one it through. Well, I actually read today that audiences gave it an A minus on Cinema Score, right. so right. not bad. I mean, so I think if you saw the movie, the chances are that you probably enjoyed it. It's just a matter of you know getting the people out there to see it. We were part of the preview screening. Um, thank you, because um, as as you know, Todd and I both um, do work for On The Go and MCO.com, and if you haven't visited On The Go, take mm-hmm. a look, go go visit there, read some of Todd's reviews, um, go talk to me about what I think about Disney Vacation Club and all that. Um, we cover a lot of stuff, and, and we're covering the new stuff in Universal and Disney. We so we went as part of a preview, and when we walked out, we liked it. But I had heard other people, you know, that I was in line with saying they weren't, they really didn't like the movie. So I'm really? not, yeah, I'm not sure how it tested with the preview audiences um, afterward. But I know, like, like I said, the the sneak peek thing that we had gone through. Yeah, ours was a D. That was a D twenty three. That's actually it was a D twenty three. Sorry. Yeah, but that, no, a, but that you know, but I wonder how all the previews had done. And to be fair, I mean, people that go to D twenty three screenings that are in D twenty three, that's not your traditional crowd. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, not, it's a I'm hardcore not Disney crowd for sure. But crowd. I think I feel actually, like this, most of them uh, are cast um, members to be. Um, yeah, this is the kind of movie that he used to make before, you know, before they ended up doing Marvel and Star Wars and Maleficent all the time. Before it was tentpole, tentpole, tentpole. This is the kind of movie that Disney made back in the in the mid '90s and, and early, you know, early 2000s. Like we, I mentioned, Miracle. Remember the Titans mm-hmm. uh, plays off of the things that they used to do back in the 
uh, in Walt's time. You know, just a just a nice, cheap family movie. Um, I think the problem is I, I, there's not a lot of room for that sort of thing at the cinema anymore, which is sort of uh, I have been neg- been regretting. Yeah, lately, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, it's one of the I've seen a lot of great movies this year, and most of them have been. Um, I've had to go and find them in smaller movie theaters or VOD um, just because multiplexes are only carrying the mega effects pictures. Hmm. Right. I I totally agree with that. I mean, this is kind of a throwback to the family movie, simpler plot or simpler theme and, um, you know, just really good heartfelt movie for the whole family, which may not often play well. All right. So uh, with, the, with all that said, let's rate Million Dollar Arm. Um, Todd, why don't you uh, take a pitch at it first? Ha, ha, ha. You said take a pitch. I know. Um, <laughs> um, I, I like this movie. I'm very into character dramas, so it's totally right up my alley. Like I said, it's not a sports movie. It's the sports are very little. You see people do sports, but it's not like they're calling games. There's not... Even the quote-unquote tense moments don't feel tense. The sport tense tense moments. But I really enjoy this movie. I f- feel it's a three for me. Fair enough. All right, Cheryl, what you? Well, compared to last week's movie, this movie is much better. <laughs> That wouldn't be hard. Um, I would put this out of four. I really, I really like this movie a lot. I would, you know, definitely recommend it to people. You know, when it comes out, rent it for the three bucks. Definitely go see it in the theater if it's still showing by you. Yeah, please get the box office up. It's worth uh, the money. All right, Mary Jo. Yeah, for sure. I, I true. There's not a lot of. Uh, uh, films that you walk out of going, that was $10 well spent. But I think for this one, like I said, I took my whole family and I, I enjoyed it. So, uh, Mary Jo, what about you? What would you give it on a scale of one to five? I would say it's a solid three plus um, or three and a half. Um, it was a great family movie, um, great, heartfelt, warm, um, perfect for all ages, had a great. Um, meaning about transformation, knowing that working hard and sacrificing can lead to great things. Um, I thought it taught a lot for the youngsters and there was a lot of eye candy for the women. (laughs) There you go. Can't beat that. I would say it's a double as far as in a baseball game. There you go. I like it. Uh, So yeah, I would, I'm, I'm with Cheryl. I would go before on this because um, like I said I, I go to a lot of movies I think we all do um, this is probably my in the top two or three that I've seen this year uh, I really enjoyed it um, said I, w- I wouldn't give it a five because it's you know it's not going to change the world it's not something that's uh, defining the movie bit anything like that but the performances are great the comedy is good the story is good um, like we've been saying I can take my whole family to see it um, and I don't feel like I've wasted time at the movies or anything like that. It was just a fun, uh, enjoyable film that, that everybody in my family liked. Uh, that is increasingly rare today. So uh, I will give it a four. Uh, and we'll, we'll see how it compares to, to other films that Disney 
putting out this year, Maleficent, uh, and see how it does. So, folks, as we mentioned earlier, um, that Rachel couldn't be us at the actual recording, but we got Todd to find, find a DeLorean and get set up so we could travel in time, like we like to do around sometimes, and get Rachel to record and to get her thoughts on Million Dollar Arm with us. And so that's what we're doing now. Welcome, Rachel. Hello. Glad to be here. Out of space and time. All right. So here are my thoughts on Million Dollar Arm. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I don't know why it was released the same weekend as Godzilla. Um, It's definitely going to suffer at the box office because of the timing of its release. This really felt much more like a fall or spring release movie, Uh, something a little bit smaller, especially sports movies, I think tend to work better during those times of the year instead of during the summer blockbusters. Um, Regardless, this is a good sports movie, not a great sports movie, but a good one. Um, Really, there's there's two stories going on, a million dollar arm, uh, one that works very well and one that doesn't work as well for me. Um, I'm going to tackle the one that works for me first, that doesn't work for me first, so that I can end on a positive note. Uh, John John Hamm's character, JB, uh, has a character arc that bears a striking resemblance to the Disney dad story arc. The dad that spends too much time working and neglects his kids, except in this case, the kids are Rinku, Dinesh, and Amit. Um, I've seen this story arc done so many times before, and I had really high expectations for the script after seeing Win Win, which was also written by Thomas McCarthy, who wrote the screenplay for Million Dollar Arm. Uh, Win Win took the traditional sports movie and really did something new with it. Uh, But Million Dollar Arm in this aspect didn't really do much to shake up the Disney dad formula. Uh, Maybe I just don't like John Hamm when he's mean and angry. I don't know. Anyways, so on to the good. Um, The storyline that really worked for me was the character arc for Rinku, Dinesh, and Amit. Uh, These actors are all really well cast, and the larger message about representation and diversity is so important and conveyed without giving that sort of after-school special preachy feeling to it. Um, I loved seeing these young men experience American culture for the first time. And I really empathized with them being away from their families in a foreign culture with all this pressure to succeed under impossible circumstances. Uh, My favorite scene was easily Amit's pep talk at the second tryout uh, when he tells Rinku and Dinesh that they are his heroes and that Indian children will see them and know that it's possible for them to be a baseball player if they have the talent and the resolve to see it through. On that note, um, I want to touch on something that the script really got right. Uh, Kids like Rinku and Dinesh need more than just an opportunity, like the Million Dollar Arm Contest. Um, They don't need a handout. They really need support and people around them who believe in their abilities and have the patience to help them reach their full potential. And there's lots of people in the world that are like JB, and they think that once someone like Rinku or Dinesh gets their golden ticket, their job is done. They don't have any more responsibility to these kids. And I'm so happy that the movie sets up John Hamm as someone who sees himself as Willy Wonka handing out the golden tickets and then heading on his merry way back to his single life. But he's surprised to find out that clients like Rinku and Dinesh require time and support. And all the things he's promising to Popo, the big client that he's courting for most of the movie. Uh, Considering how he treats Rinku and Dinesh, it's really surprising that JB can't hold down any clients. 
Um, I have a few other quick notes on Million Dollar Arm. Uh, the Indian soundtrack, I really enjoyed. Um, the script was really smart in how it showed the cultural differences between India and America. And it didn't prop up either culture as being superior, which I appreciated. Um, I enjoyed the conversation between JB and the Indian producer about lawyers and contracts and how they really just confuse and delay things. Um, Oh, and Alan Arkin is in the movie, (laughs) which is always a plus. Um, And it was fun to see Bill Paxton taking a break from hailing Hydra to coach them baseball. Um, When JB is pushing for a tryout, Paxton's character Tom is a voice of reason and an advocate for Rinko and Dinesh. Uh, And the last performance I wanted to highlight is Lake Bell as Brenda, JB's girl next door. I like Lake Bell a lot, and while Brenda isn't the most challenging role for her, people should be watching her career. She is hilarious on Children's Hospital, which is not for kids, despite the name. And I think the next in the next few years, her time spent paying her dues and putting in these solid supporting performances is going to start paying off. Um, out of a possible five stars, I kind of went back and forth between three and three and a half. And I finally settled on three and a half stars. Um, to be honest, the final shot of the film really got to me. This Indian boy is practicing his pitching, and he's wearing this homemade Rinku jersey. And that's a powerful image. And even though the film falls into some of the standard movie, uh, sports movie story tropes, I really appreciated its message of representation and giving some diversity to the Disney 2014 movie lineup. And those are my thoughts on Million Dollar Arm. And before we before we end, we 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 had we touched lightly on Brenda, and I want to discuss that with you. But what? How did you feel about how they introduced the Brenda aspect and how they went along that storyline? Um, like you mean as far as her character herself, or just how she was introduced? Exactly how she was introduced and how she just. Um, fell literally into the storyline. <laughs> um, she was she was a little bit of like a magical character, you know, the like kind of the character that's brought along to help the main male character. Um, I guess I would have liked to see. Uh, I I enjoyed her. I enjoyed the fact that she was kind of a voice of reason. Like her her and Bill Paxton's characters really are like the biggest voice of reasons to him. Like they're his conscience. Like just telling him, you know, you really shouldn't be doing this. Um, you shouldn't be pushing these kids. You need to give them support and everything. Um, you know, I liked her. I liked her, but um, I don't know if she's really a fully developed character. And um, one other aspect we didn't talk about um, was the um, assistant. What what you saw of that character and how that played out? Yeah, um, he's played by uh, Asif Manvi, who used to be on uh, The Daily Show. Um, I guess, yeah, his character wasn't really all that necessary. Like, I think, I think they had, like, the twins and stuff, and he was, like, pushing for him to settle down. Um, I kind of wish that he'd been given more to do, because Asif Manvi, I enjoy him quite a bit. I think he, I think he's a talented guy, and he hasn't had the chance to show... Um, kind of his range. I think and part I, of that problem, though, is that they dumped him off with umpteen nine million kids in this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I think that's why he couldn't show his ranges because I mean he mostly was dealing with his home home life. So 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he wasn't out there like in India with them. He was basically just keeping things running at home. Yeah, <laughs> literally, just keeping. Yeah, running. yeah, he like he his character doesn't have much agency. Like he isn't really like a big moving part in the story. All right, well, Rachel, it was great to hear from you. Great to have you be able to join us through 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 the power of technology. Yes, <laughs> and now I can go back from whence I came. <laughs> All right, so, so that is our show on Million Dollar Arm. You can leave us a note at the show notes uh, on DisneyFilmProject.com. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Disney Film Project there, and you can also email us, DisneyFilmProject at gmail.com. All right, so uh, Mary Jo, thanks for uh, joining in this evening. Thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. Uh, and, and you know, you can find the show in a variety of different ways. You can find us on Diz Dad's Radio. You can find us on Stitcher. Uh, but wherever you find us, uh, spread the word. Let people know that we're out there. For next week, for the absent Rachel, for Todd and Cheryl. And uh, thank you again, Mary Jo, for joining us. I'm Ryan, and we will see you soon. My job is over, and my burka lounger calls. It looks like an insane asylum opened up, and all the inmates were allowed to play. We can't train someone who's never picked up a baseball. It's insane. We might have to tweak that a bit. I think it's for keeping your bowling hand warm.